This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Mix. You've waited patiently all day. All week. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. House call for Isom. To college. Tyler Stallions. Like, bro, get a life. To the pros. He's a pumpkin. Pumpkins don't move on their own. Jared Goff barely does. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Ben Bosher, Brad Tunney here in the Blazy Electra studio, getting you ready for a great hour of Michigan sports content. I'll lay it out right now for you. Back half the show, we're going to get to the Pistons, 12-game losing streak. It's miserable. Tomorrow, we'll get to the Lions. Whole show dedicated to it. Promise. But right now, we need to focus on the game of games. Michigan versus Ohio State. This Saturday is the most anticipated Michigan versus Ohio State game of the century. These two schools already hate each other and have every single reason to. Ohio State beat Michigan eight games in a row prior to the last two seasons. They pounded you. They owned Michigan. And Michigan didn't have an answer for a long time. Then they beat Harbaugh five times in a row. They had him on the ropes of being fired. Michigan was little brother to Ohio State for a long time there, for the better half, for eight years of a decade. It was not a close contest. Ohio State owned Michigan. And I don't even need to bring up 2016 or say the three words JT was short because that triggers enough emotion for enough of you out there. This is personal. These two schools hate each other. That 2016 game kept Michigan out of the playoffs. Kept that streak alive for Ohio State. Put Michigan fans in pain. And then Michigan flipped the script. 2021, Michigan beats number one ranked Ohio State. Kicked them out of the playoffs. Ohio State wins that game. They're in line to play Cincinnati in the first round. And then who knows what happens from there. They're competing for their ninth national championship. They're second in eight years. Michigan took that all away from them. This is personal. Ryan Day started on third base. Michigan picked him off. And on the next at-bat, Ryan Day got up to the plate and got hit in the head with a 110-mile-per-hour fastball named Donovan Edwards. Michigan flipped the script the last two seasons, and Ohio State has taken that personally. Ryan Day is now one loss away from updating his LinkedIn profile. His back's against the wall, just like Harbaugh's was a couple years ago. This game is going to get nasty. Both schools hate each other. Both head coaches want to strangle the other person in their sleep. And now throw in this wrinkle. This four-team playoff system is gone after this season. Out the window. Big Ten divisions, gone. Non-existent next year. The game loses half of its meaning and purpose, just back to bragging rights, essentially. Because the past few seasons, the better half of the last decade, this has been a ticket to the college football playoffs. You win this game, you're in. That's not really the case going forward. In a 12-team playoff format, 
Both of these schools should expect to be in the playoffs every single year, whether they win or lose the game. That takes meaning away from it. Hell, both of, of these schools could have a Big Ten championship spot locked up before the game. There's no divisions. It's best two records in the conference. Two teams could clinch before the final week of the regular season, and all of a sudden, this game has lost all meaning. Anyone excited to see them play back-to-back weeks? No, because that diminishes the value of how important this game is. So both coaches hate each other. Both schools hate each other. Now this game is losing meaning going forward after this season. Oh, yeah. And, And don't forget about the biggest cheating scandal of the 21st century regarding sports. Ohio State, Ryan Day, they think Michigan cheated at the bottom of their hearts. In the bottom of their hearts, they believe if Michigan was not sign-stealing, they'd have six consecutive Big Ten championships. They believe that so much that they were willing to help Purdue out in the Big Ten championships and hand Purdue Michigan's signs. They believe it. I'm telling you right now. They think if Michigan played this clean, they'd have six Big Ten championships in a row. They believe that so much, the head coach hired his brother to uncover the fact that Michigan was stealing signs. Jim Harbaugh may as well be Richard Nixon to anyone in Ohio. And Michigan fans, to you guys, Ryan Day is the most arrogant snob on the planet. These two schools hate each other. These coaches hate each other. These players hate each other. We see it time and time again. These games get dirty. They get nasty. There's players out for blood. I expect a player to be ejected at some point on Saturday. Now you have all these Michigan players playing for their coach for a chance to go to the playoffs. Finish the story they started last season. Two years ago. Back-to-back appearances in the playoffs. Now you've got this entire narrative that Jim Harbaugh can't win in the postseason. And you know what? That's ultimately true. One in six in bowl games. You got to fight that off. You have to win this game. Get yourself back into the playoffs because this is the only year, maybe last year, this is the, uh, a legitimate chance you have to win the national championship. It's there to take. Jim Harbaugh's yet to conquer the mountain. He's conquered the second peak, which is winning the Big Ten, making the playoffs. But he's yet to throw a real punch at one of these SEC schools. And now, who knows what the future of the Michigan football program looks like right now? Nobody. Nobody knows if Jim Harbaugh is going to be there or not next year. People can sit there and tell you that they think this extension's coming or that he's going to the NFL. The story changes every other day. No one knows what the future of Michigan football looks like. Which means you have to live in the present. You have to live in today. And what's in front of you today is Ohio State. If you're the Michigan Wolverines, you have to go beat the school once and for all. Because who knows? Maybe Michigan won't even be in the Big Ten next year. Anything's on the table regarding the sign-stealing saga that never ends. This is two versus three. There's a ticket for the playoffs at midfield for the taking. And this is the most anticipated game of the century. I get there was the 2006 game, one versus number two. Both teams undefeated. But both teams were undefeated last year. Now both teams are undefeated this year. It's the fourth time 
in the history of this rivalry, both schools are walking into Week 13 undefeated with a trip to the playoffs on the line. The loser's not getting in. Unworldly things would have to happen for the loser of this game to get in. This isn't like last year where Ohio State gets to sneak in as the four seed. Uh Uh-uh. Too many good teams this year. Washington, Oregon, Texas, Bama. I didn't even say Florida State, who's undefeated and on the verge of winning the ACC. So if you're Michigan, you got to take advantage of what's in front of you. If you're Ohio State, you're fighting for your life. Ryan Day is fighting for his job. You can't lose to an interim head coach and expect to keep your job after losing to Michigan three straight times. Urban Meyer said that himself last Saturday on Big Noon Kickoff. Guys, this is the game. The game of games. It doesn't get bigger than this. It's the best rivalry in college football. Maybe the best rivalry in American sports. And you throw in all these different elements on and off the field. So I want to ask the people. 989-837-6125. Do you believe that this is the most anticipated Michigan versus Ohio State game of the century? And from a non-X's and O's standpoint, I don't want to hear a score prediction right now. I want to know what you expect from this game. Do you expect ejections? Do you expect cheap shots? What do you think is going to happen here? 989-837-6125. Because if you ask me, this is going to get dirty. This is going to get ugly. And this is going to get nasty and personal. Want to know why? Because this is a personal rivalry to every single person involved. 989-837-6125. We'll hit the text line next on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. The payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. Is this the most anticipated Michigan versus Ohio State rivalry game that we've seen in the last 20, 23 years? Because I can't think of a circumstance where this gets elevated any higher than this. This is the best game of the year. Any sport don't care. Michigan versus Ohio State. It's personal. It's losing its meaning after this year. A trip to the playoffs is on the line, and who knows what the future of both of these programs looks like at the head coach position moving forward, Brad. Agreed. Uh, Biggest one that I can remember in my lifetime, certainly. And when I think about the added element of soap opera-ness, if that's a word, right? Sure. That I think because of the scandal, because of Harbaugh not being on the sideline, because of wondering where he's going to be, because of the pettiness between him and Ryan Day, because of the way Ryan Day has projected himself nationally this year, dating back to the Lou Holtz stuff. Like, I think there's more hatred for one another's sideline than there's ever been. And that's good. It's good for the rivalry. It's good for the national exposure and uh, purpose beyond Columbus and Ann Arbor. I love it. You know what would be better for the rivalry if Jim Harbaugh was on the sideline? That'd be better for the soap opera. It'd be so much more fun. 100%. That's all, okay. These two coaches certainly don't respect each other by any means necessary. And a reporter went ahead and asked Jim Harbaugh about if he respects Ryan Day. And his answer was honestly quite hilarious. Um, it's, uh, it's all about our preparation for Ohio. Um, you know, the days, the minutes, 
the hours, everything leading up to this game. Um, you know, that's where our focus is. Preparing ourselves and planning, kind of practice and then execute. So, uh, I mean, anything else is irrelevant um, you know, when you get into this kind of this kind of big game week. He froze. Love that. <laughs> Absolutely love it. He literally it. froze. Jim, do you uh do you respect the uh Ohio State Buckeyes? Uh no. <laughs> no. These two schools don't respect each other. They never have and they never will. And the pettiness, I, I like the way you put it, Brad, between both of these coaches, Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day, has been off the charts this year. It, it really does seem like a soap opera. Jim Harbaugh is playing victim. Ryan Day is saying, oh, everyone's saying this about our school. Just go win football games. You know who you never hear this from? SEC coaches. It never happens. They always settle their stuff on the field. And in the Big Ten, I don't know if it's the media. I don't know if it's just the way these coaches' personalities are. They, they love bringing it off the field in front of the microphones, in front of the cameras. I mean, the, the Sharon Moore crying in front of the camera, is that really worse than Ryan Day basically crying in front of the camera earlier this year when they beat Notre Dame? It's the same. Uh, yeah. I think Ryan Day's a, a little bit of a bigger loser. I, I do too. And I think pretty much everyone here yeah. is going to agree with that. 989-837-6125. We'll hit the text line right now. Couldn't be more incorrect to a Michigan fan. This game will never mean half as much. Ohio State is the only win that matters. Well, now you're just sounding like a Michigan State fan. Well, I think that's important. to. You mentioned that one of the big reasons why this game might be the game of the century this year is because next year it loses a little bit of meaning. And I think, man, most Michigan fans, I think both most fans of both schools would say the game can never lose meaning. No, it's it does. the game. Because if you're going to play twice in a two-week span, both of those games lose meaning of their own. This is a trip to the playoffs. This is a trip to the Big Ten Championship right now, this Saturday. That might not be the case <sighs> next year. Both teams might already have a playoff game locked up. And sure, it's still a rivalry. It's still for bragging rights, but that... That's really all it might be for. Because if both teams walk in 11-0, and 0, both teams are making the playoffs next year. So it 100% does lose meaning. I guess. A, a, a little different. I, I try to think about a comparison right here in our backyard of Midland and Dow. And I think it's happened seven or eight times now. Where Do they these play coaches in, get petty? Well, no. But they play wow. in week nine. And then there's always a chance that if they both make the playoffs because they'll be in the same district, that they could play the next week or two weeks later in the district final. And it's happened over the course of you know, 60 years or so now that they have met again in the playoffs seven or eight times. That doesn't take anything away from what is known as the city championship or at that level, what is known as the game. It's still the only time that you can guarantee yourself a game against your primary rival. It's the game that the alums come back to Midland for. It's the game that packs Midland Community Stadium. I don't know if it necessarily loses meaning, but what I will counter and say that it's never a guarantee going into an MHSA playoff bracket that Midland and Dow will face again, no matter their records, because it's hard to predict, oh, if they're the three seed and the one seed, are they both going to win? We don't know. Are they going to be seated in the same side of the bracket for the first game of the playoff? We don't know. You'll be able to predict that by this time almost every year, Michigan and Ohio State, for the most part, going into the Big Ten Championship. Right. Like, this year, we know that would be the case. Here's my problem, though. If... Say going into the game, both teams are 11-0, 10-1, whatever. And it's all but confirmed, yeah, both teams are going to be in this new 12-team playoff format. 
and then you split on the season. Or here's a better example. You both go in 11 and 0. You both already have Big Ten championship games or a spot in the Big Ten championship clinched. You already have that berth. Both teams, it's going to be a repeat the following week in the championship. What does that first game mean if you're just going to play each other the next week anyway for a Big Ten title? In that scenario where it's guaranteed, you're like now, I don't think I can disagree with you because... Like that, that, if, that, that's exactly what would happen right now. Well, and you're 100% correct, especially moving forward with the 12-team playoff. Both teams would also probably be in the playoff picture regardless of the outcomes of both of those games unless they were swept, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, both teams undefeated going into the game. They're one team di- could lose twice, and they'd still probably be in the, in the playoffs. I would hope so, right? Penn State just lost at both schools, and they're still ranked 12. I mean, the new rankings come out yeah. later today, but I, 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 think they, they, I, I think I said this to John last week. They put too many teams in. We asked for eight. We asked for a few more teams, and they put in 12. Penn State's clearly not good enough to win a national championship. We know that. And I guess that, that's a different conversation, but I, I do think this diminishes you know, the way that college football is heading into this mini NFL where it seems all but more of a league than a bunch of different conferences, this super conference style, 12 team playoffs. I, I don't get how you can say it doesn't diminish the value of the game. Cause now it's not the game. It's one of the games in a season. I would just push back on how often this may happen. You know, we're obviously staring in a moment right now where they're the two best programs in the big 10 and who's going to compete with them next and, year. And Ohio state, correct. And Ohio state has been for much longer than Michigan has, but what does this happen? 10% of the time? Is it going to happen once a decade for the next 50 years? Or is it going to happen more than that? Were these uh, those are the teams... only two schools to win Big Ten championships in the last eight, year, eight years, though. That's true. But as we add in USC and Washington. Losing their quarterback, losing UCLA, their quarterback, losing their quarterback and coach. Sure. So it could happen this year and next year. Beyond that, are we guarant- or do we know for a fact that Michigan-Ohio State will be the cream of the crop if there's no Jim Harbaugh? If Ohio State decides to go in a different direction, if they lose to Michigan this year and Ryan Day's gone, right? Like, things happen really quick in the world of sports, as we know. Mm -hmm. And so it may be a little too early to predict that this game is going to have less meaning when, if we look back 25 years from now, this setup might have only happened three or four times in two and a half decades. And if that's the case, it won't diminish it. We're just not sure yet. But in, in this year's rendition of it, putting it into next year's circumstances, I find it hard not to agree with you. And, and I don't know how listeners couldn't uh, agree either in that, look, next week's game's the big one because the winner of the Big Ten gets an automatic push to the playoff. And let's just What be if honest. they both go in with one loss, right? What if they both go into this game with one loss, but we know they're going to be playing in the Big Ten championship game? Whoever loses twice is definitely out. And whoever loses the Big Ten championship might also be out, depending on other teams in that scenario too. Certainly a year-by-year, case-by-case basis. But this game, not that either program would tank it. That would never be the case. But the following game, the Big Ten Championship, is the automatic bid in the playoff moving forward. Right, which would diminish the value of of the original game. A little bit. Like 5%, 10% matter. But but a little bit. If you're going to lose that game and you still have a chance to make the playoffs and you're going to play that team the next game with stakes raised even higher, well, then the game in Week 13 of the regular season it's not as important as it is this year or in the year prior. And regardless of if that circumstance is happening or not, I think we can agree on this. This is the last year of college football of the era that we know it. This college football playoffs, four-team format. I mean, look what's happening next year. You have this massive playoff bracket. You have Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. 
You have the Pac-12 is, is no longer existent. And you have four teams from the West Coast joining the Big Ten. Regardless of how you feel about the 12-team playoff, regardless of how you feel about the new conferences, next year is the beginning of a new era, and this year marks the end of the one that they're in. Whoever wins this Michigan and Ohio State game this year, this Saturday, kind of gets the last laugh in, in this era of college football. What's the percentage chance that the loser of the game, if the winner of the game goes on to lose in the Big Ten championship? Oh, my gosh. What are the chances? So say Michigan loses, but then Ohio State gets beaten by Iowa. Is there any shot Michigan plays in the playoff this year? It, it, I, it depends what it, happens in but the But in ACC. a year with a ton of one-loss teams, though, and a couple of undefeated still left, probably not, right? Pro- probably not, but this is such an... This year is more apparent than any other year that there needed to be an expansion. Yeah. Now, they overcorrected and went to 12, but Florida State's still undefeated. Washington's still undefeated. You're praying for one of those schools to lose. And even if Ohio State beats Michigan and then loses to Iowa, I almost feel like Ohio State has the better resume to they still would, get in over they'd Michigan. they'd have the head-to-head. They'd have the head-to-head, and yep. what other win can Michigan really point to? Right. None. Right. And, and that's not really, like, that answers that's the not question, up for right. debate. Yeah. Ohio State would have the better resume. Now, if it's flipped vice versa and Michigan were to beat Ohio State this week and then lose in the Big Ten Championship, well, then I don't know what happens. The playoff committee is scratching their heads, scrambling, trying to not make everyone upset. That would be their, their, worst, their worst possible outcome because they, they would have no idea what to do. Look, I think uh, you know we're getting texts in that kind of lack acknowledgement just a little bit for what you're indicating here, that the, that the game will lose a little bit of impact moving forward. I, I just... It's okay as a Michigan or Ohio State fan to acknowledge that it may lose 5% of the impact, right? 100%. Like that, that's okay. It's okay to take a step back and say, yeah, college football is changing. And for your rivalry's purpose, for the game's purpose, it's being diminished just a tad, right? Like things change all the time in our daily lives, and one thing takes a backseat to another. And a 5% decrease in the impact of the game, it's okay to acknowledge based on a new layout in college football. That's okay especially because the game right now, when these two teams go into it undefeated or when they go into it with one loss, it's only one spot they're fighting for in the Big Ten Championship. Mm -hmm. This is a playoff game right now. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, this is not necessarily a playoff game. This is a single elimination tournament bracket game. The loser is done. Moving forward, that's not necessarily the case. And so just based on the mathematical possibility of you winning a national championship, the game is somewhat diminished. Right now, they are in a bracket, in a quarterfinal bracket. The loser season is over for a championship. And next year, in the exact same scenario, that's not the case. Because whoever loses this week could go on to win next week in the Big Ten Championship and get the automatic bid. And so because of that, it is diminished just a little bit. It's okay to say that. Text flying in, Jeremy from Beaverton, simply stating that they could both be 0-11, and the game is what matters. You, yeah, you wanna, when they're both 0-11, nothing else does matter, so that would be the case. <laughs> and, and you want to know why, I, no matter what, Michigan fans should still care about this a little bit, because Ohio State has won national championship in the past 10 years, and Michigan has none. That's always going to be the, on the back of Michigan's mind, that Ohio State got it done, and Michigan never conquered the mountain. When I can sit here and acknowledge, I'm not a part of either side of the rivalry, right? Like, Ben, you're a Michigan fan. We know that. Mm-hmm. I don't have allegiance to either school. So I, could, I can take a step back and say, look, maybe I don't understand what the game means entirely. 
What I do know matters, though, is when you win a national championship, I probably don't care if you lost the game. Because exactly. national championship means exactly. more funding, better recruiting, a, a damn trophy. It means you're going to beat them. The, you have a better chance to beat them the next year because of all those things. Yeah. And, and maybe I just don't get the rivalry. But look, I'd much rather win a national championship than win the game and not win the damn national title. They're much harder to come by. You get a chance to beat your rival every year. How many chances legitimately do you get a chance to win a national title? Michigan has had zero. Most programs They've never made it to the final. Once in your lifetime if you get one, unless you're Bama, unless you're Clemson of late, like <laughs> you haven't seen one. I agree with you, and I'm I'm not taking away from the rivalry. I'm not saying no. It won't mean. But it's hard anything. to toe the line on both sides because the rivalry means a damn lot to the people that are involved. In right, it. and I'm not saying it's not going to mean anything going forward. Obviously, it'll be the the game you circle on your calendar. Obviously, it'll be the most important game in the season. But it does diminish a little bit of what's going on going forward with the new playoff format. Nine eight nine eight three seven six one two five. Tell us what you think on the Frick Sports Bar text line. We'll hit that. We'll hit that. When we come back and start talking about this, I don't know what how you go to every single one of these Pistons games, Brad. It is it is brutal. We'll hit it next. You're listening to the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, the Mitt. Okay, I like the way this texter Jeremy has been texting in and, and phrasing this question because it's got Brad and I wondering the same thing too, and. and you know, I think Brad has one opinion. I have my own. I want to hear from everyone else. What's more important to the Michigan Wolverine program? Beating Ohio State or winning a national championship? Because I, th- I think we can align on this, Brad. It's without question a national championship in our eyes because our eyes are on the big picture. But may- maybe I'm wrong. May- maybe this game, it means way too much. No, no, no. You're a Michigan fan. You grew up a Michigan fan. You watch every game. You live and breathe Michigan football. That's your team. You're allowed outside to have, of the Chippewas. Okay, thank you. Uh, right, cap. You're allowed to have an opinion. <laughs> you that, know what that means? Yeah, I'm only 28, Ben. Not uh, not a thousand. Um, you're allowed to have the opinion that the national championship means more because I, I tell you what, anyone not involved in the rivalry would agree with you, and you're in the rivalry. And so I, I like if if we posted a poll of only Michigan fan respondents in the area. Would it be 50-50? Like, I don't know. Would there I'm be more responses saying that beating Ohio State means more than a national championship? Because that's, like, that's you've beaten Ohio I... State dozens of times in your lifetime if, you, if you're 50 to 60 years old. How many national championships do you have? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's tough. And the funny thing is, like, this is exactly what I poke fun at Michigan State fans for because they they always say as long as you beat Michigan it's right. a successful three year. and nine yeah, three, three and, and nine. nine but three if we beat nine. Michigan woohoo yeah like isn't that why Michigan State to Michigan is little brother because their big bad giant is Michigan while Michigan's goal at the end of the season is to win a national championship isn't that exactly why Michigan has always called Michigan State little brother like I, I feel like obsessing over the Ohio state game is normal to some extent. But if you're thinking about that more than you're thinking about a national championship, that that's little brother activity. If you ask me, I don't, I don't know. It, it's it. What? <laughs> it's been a long time since little brother, man. Long time since, since Michigan and Ohio state or, or Michigan 
Michigan State. I just didn't know it was still in the, the lexicon of folks these days. Right? Oh, yeah. We put it past us. Well, now it's like little sister is what Michigan State has become <laughs> right, right. these days. Right. Um, let's move forward. You guys can continue to text in 989-837-6125, but I want to talk about the catastrophe that's happening in LCA on a nightly basis. Brad, I don't know how you do it to yourself. You go to these games every single day. You have season tickets, and you're watching what doesn't even feel like an NBA product right now in the Detroit Pistons who have lost 12 straight games. Do you want to know what's uh, important about the number 127, Brad? That's how many games the Pistons would have to win in order for Troy Weaver's record to be 500 as the GM. Hundred and twenty. That's over a season. It's like a season and a half. They'd have to go undefeated for 127 games to Troy for Troy Weaver to get back to 500 average in the NBA. I, I'm so far past this guy. I've been done with Troy Weaver, and I don't understand how he has not been canned. I wanted him canned before the season started, and this season has not gone. It it. it it's been worse than last year somehow, and you didn't even have Cade Cunningham. It doesn't get worse than this. This is rock bottom. They're 2-13, and 13 and it completely passes the eye test. They foul more than anyone in the NBA. They turn the ball over more than anyone in the NBA. Over and over again, they lose to these basketball teams without their best player. Last night, it was no Jokic, no Murray, no Coach Malone. How are you losing this game? It's so frustrating and as much as we can say, poor Kate Cunningham, he leads the league in turnovers. He's scoring 21 points per game on 20 shots a game. Not the best ratio. But at the same time, he's looking around saying, who's going to help me out? And Alex, Alec Burks is the guy raising his hand saying, don't worry, I got us. He's the second highest scorer and he has, doesn't even start. I, I just don't understand the direction of this franchise. And I haven't understood it for years. You pay a head coach $100 million dollars. And he's getting paid whether they win or lose. And for some reason that I don't understand, it's like he wants Killian Hayes to marry his daughter. He's just like, he's so obsessed with playing this guy who is a nothing on offense. At this point, if you like Zach Levine's on the market and you don't do anything with your picks anyway. Sure. You've had successful drafts, but you don't do anything any other day of the year. It's been disgusting at this point. F them picks and trade for Zach Levine. If he's on the market, go get him. Because it doesn't get worse than this. You can go sell your future picks. I don't even care because it can't get worse than this, Brad. I don't know how you do it to yourself every night. <laughs> I'm a total clown show is what it is. Uh, yeah, I uh, full season tickets over here. I uh, go to just about every game or as many as I can. I've been there every week, four hours round trip from Midland to watch a team that has a third quarter lead. It's, it's in a the winnable same game, game every time. The same game. Went with a couple buddies last night, sat there when they took the lead in the third quarter and said, they're going to lose this game. But at least they pulled in front in the third quarter, so at least we knew they were going to lose it. Right? Yeah, like It's they literally got us close. the exact same game every it's time. The same recipe every night. I, I throw my head in my hands sitting there uh, and walk out completely dejected <laughs> to drive two hours back up here. And, and you show get up, ready to do it a couple days later. Every day. every, <laughs> yeah, a couple days later. Um the, the Troy Weaver stuff is interesting, right? Like, how many years should a guy get to rebuild what was a completely broken franchise? And I think, you know, most organizations, as long as there's some semblance of improvement, right? You get, then, like, four years. Yeah, right? four years is a, is a decent number, right? Like That's a long time. 
the the issue here is it, it not only has it been bad but the but the the perception of how bad it is ha- has really turned the corner here of late isn't that good though like y- yes, finally people yes, are acknowledging real how pressure, stupid this team is some real pressure on the organization uh dating back to the start of January 2021 and so we're looking at almost two full uh, two plus calendar years almost three full calendar years now they have the worst winning percentage of any organization in the four major sports, NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA. They lose more than uh, three-quarters of their games. Their win percentage is less than 25% on two-and-a-half seasons' worth of basketball. That is not showing any signs of improvement from what he took over, which, again, was a dumpster fire for a decade through the Ben Gordon years and the Josh Smith and Charlie Villanueva and the Blake Griffin trade and and the 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 lawyer coaching years, the Maurice Cheeks coaching year, like it's it's all trash. The sale of the team to Tom Gores, who didn't know what he was doing for the first half decade of his tenure. Does he still? Does he know what he's doing now? I I don't know yet. I think the one thing coming into this offseason was look. I don't think Monty Williams is that good of a coach. I think he's maybe a a, a top fifteen coach in the NBA. We comfortable saying that he's he's a motivator. He's not an X's and O's guys. He never was. Chris Paul was the no, reason I, that, that they got to the finals. Like he had a good roster. He took a number one pick in DeAndre Ayton and threw him out of town. And and he I, did the same thing with Ivy. Correct. And we're seeing it again with a top five pick in an organization he inherited. The one thing I struggle with with this guy and, and a lot of folks in Milwaukee media are doing the same thing with their first year head coach and Adrian Griffin is. Did he watch or did he know the personnel he was coming into before he started coaching the team? And it seems like he didn't. The folks in Milwaukee are complaining that they changed the defensive scheme too much. Why would you ever uh, drop Giannis and Brooke Lopez and these great defenders and do all that? Like, he had never watched the personnel. And it didn't seem like Monty Williams knew the personnel he was taking over for, which is troubling when you made the guy the highest paying coach in the NBA. It felt like it felt like Gores gave him a job on an emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. You know, his wife's going through cancer, and obviously that's a, a, an issue, and Gores is paying for all the treatment, and he, he loves the family aspect and the faith aspect and wants to be a part of a city. But the guy said he didn't want to coach again, and we pulled out the Brinks trucks for, again, is he the 12th best coach in the NBA? Maybe. All of that I was willing to push aside because it's not my money, and it's not the salary cap's money either. Right, exactly. If you're going to sign a nobody to be your head coach, you might as well spend Tom Gores' money to sign a guy that could be a top-10 coach. I was all for it, except for what he's done to Jaden Ivey, who finally was able to start a game last night while Killian was healthy. Yesterday was the first time they started Jaden over Killian when both of them were healthy. And Jaden had his best game of the year, highly efficient, double-digit scoring, multiple assists and rebounds. He and Cade were a combined plus 15 in the game, a game that they lost. Why did it take a month to start the number five pick from last year's draft in his second year Mm -hmm. alongside a former number one pick when you were starting Killian Hayes, a guy that most evaluators around the league would say in good organizations would be leading their G League team, not their starting unit? Right. Everyone's been ready to drive Killian to the airport for years. Everyone's over it. So why is he playing again? Why is he getting this resurgence? I don't know. So that's the Monty question. Again, Monty was given all the power in the world. We see this all the time when when owners give coaches GM and coach responsibilities. We obviously suffered through that with Stan Van Gundy when he tried to save his own ass and trade for Blake Griffin. That doesn't work when you give a coach GM powers to. You know what else doesn't really work? 
is when you sign the guy to guaranteed richest contract in NBA history and he has car blanche to do whatever he wants when we know he's a stubborn coach to begin with. So then he can come in, sit Jaden Ivey on the bench when he's our second best asset and ruin him for a month. And in doing so, hinder Cade's ability too. It's really troubling. And this goes all the way back to Troy, who who seemingly does not know how to build a team in the modern NBA. I don't even know where to start. I'll, I guess I'll start with Monty. Uh, if you still don't think he's a good coach, go ahead and rewatch last night's last possession of the game. They're down by three, no timeout. Cade Cunningham takes a layup and misses it. Why, why are we taking a two-point shot when you're down well, by three with 15 seconds left? Uh, again, don't know. Call a timeout, Monty Williams. Draw something up. The offense is horrific to watch. It, and in it, terms of Troy Weaver... Yeah. Guess what his best move of the offseason was besides signing the Monty Williams to the highest coaching contract in NBA history? It was acquiring Joe Harris and Monte Morris, who have scored a total of 24 points this season. 24 points for the two guys you brought in over the offseason. You had to get picks to take Joe Harris's contract. He doesn't play. He's out of the rotation, and Monte Morris hasn't even stepped on the floor yet. What is that? Went out another six to eight weeks now with a shot that he tweeted was cap. So uh, 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 another just there mind are some, blowing debacle of yeah, this deep Pistons Twitter. Deep Pistons Twitter believes that the Pistons are intentionally shutting him down. Six to eight weeks would get him within weeks of the deadline, which is troubling for a team that commits more turnovers than really any in franchise history and the most in the NBA right now. The guy that's led the league in assisted turnover ratio, possibly being shut down by the org so they can trade him. Is Saginaw guy, right? Saginaw? Flint. 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 Yeah, Flint. and it still does a lot of work in Flint. I mean, we'd love to see him. I mean, he'd be a great side piece for Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. Let, let's get to Troy a little bit, right? The offseason, like you said, Joe Harris and uh, Monte, Morris. Monte Morris. Okay, fine. Contributing In nothing. theory, two good three-point shooters, low assist guy, adults in the room. Except if you watch any of Joe Harris last year, which you probably didn't unless you're a sicko like us and watch the NBA all the time, he's got two bad ankles, he can't play, he's old, he's slow, he doesn't defend. We're seeing all that play out right now. Boyan's the same thing. Don't try to tell me Boyan makes a difference well, when he comes back. So a couple of major black eyes for me. One, the Wiseman for Sadiq Bay deal. Oh, my God. It, it, they have an four atrocity, since then. An atrocity when it happened and an even bigger atrocity now. Sadiq Bey is a real double-digit scorer, shooting 35% from three off the bench for probably a playoff team in Atlanta. He'd be starting every game for the Pistons right now, Mm -hmm. shooting it well from three off of Cade Cunningham. He's a real NBA player. They traded him for James Wiseman, who will likely never get another NBA deal. Bey is averaging more points than Wiseman is minutes. Continue. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. That is a a total black eye because Troy Weaver, Weaver has an allegiance to Wiseman because of that draft. It was Weaver's first draft as a lead GM. It's the draft he took Killian, Stu, and Sadiq in and fell in love in the scouting process with Wiseman and never gave up on it and then traded Sadiq for James despite already having Stu and Bagley on the roster. It's inconceivable, the number one black eye. So when's enough enough? Like, when are we finally going to pull the trigger and fire this guy? Well, and look, the other, it doesn't get worse than this. The other major black eye, we can go all the way back to that draft in 20, his first, his first draft with the Pistons. They had two first-round picks, Sadiq and Killian, and then he traded Christian Wood and another first to the Knicks for the pick at 18 to get Stewart, which is fine. Isaiah has been a good player, a player that has deserved a second contract. Yeah, cash in on that while he's still shooting 41% from three. That's not getting any higher. The issue with that deal is that they have yet to bank that first-round pick. 
The Knicks have still not converted it because Troy wrote in the protections of that deal, a deal that was made in 20. Right now, that first-round pick is not going to convey to the Knicks until 2026. They, they thought Isaiah Stewart was so valuable at pick number 18 that they wrote out a pick protection that wouldn't convey into the Knicks until 2026. Six years, so our first-round picks have been locked up and have been unable to be traded. And so right now, yeah, it'd be great to attack a Zach Levine deal. Can they do it? Probably not, because the only first they have available are 28 and 30. What value is that to any team? Throw them, throw them Ivy. And to be honest, for everyone that's like, well, Durant's still part of the core. Asar Thompson is four inches shorter and I, I need outperforming to him in every single yeah. way. I need to see Durant play. He's got two bad ankles. He can't defend. I get he's 19. Asar is literally Durant, but four inches shorter. He rebounds the same. He gets more blocks. He gets more steals. He's a defensive monster. Yeah. He's, he's let's just face it, Asar Thompson's better than Jalen Durant. Is, is the Neither Zach, of them can shoot, yeah. so just take the guy with more upside. Is a possible Zach Levine deal similar to the Griffin, the Blake Griffin deal? Because the Blake Griffin deal ruined my fandom of the Pistons. I stopped watching them for years. I started to look into that more, and I, I came away with no, because when you look I at agree. what Blake Griffin... I mean, I mean, the Zach Levine contract is the scary well, thing. It, it's You're a max up. contract with a guy yeah. with bad knees. You're Identical signing up for to $40 million each of the next four years, um, both 28 years old. So it's similar, but the difference is Blake Griffin played 96 games in the, in the previous two seasons. Zach Levine has played 144. So Zach Levine is on the floor a lot more. He's able to stay fresh and contribute in winning ways, I guess. I'll give you two offers. You tell me which one you'd rather give up for the Pistons. Uh, Wiseman and Joe Harris. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yes. Wiseman, Joe Harris, and Killian. Or sorry, Wiseman, Joe Harris, and Jaden Ivey. That's one package. Uh-huh. Ivy is obviously the key there. Or Wiseman, Harris, an unprotected first in 28, and a swap in 29. Either. I'd say yes to either. Honestly, let's just let's just cut our costs with Ivy. I don't I don't know what no this is. Way. I don't want I get it. He still has upside, but I, I, I just don't know what they're getting from Ivy at this point. Windhorse was reporting he's on hat. I I don't know. And and let's just get the awkwardness out of the room. If he's gone, it's it's not awkward anymore. Then you know what you have. And whereas in the Blake Griffin deal, what what were you building around at the time? Reggie Jackson, That's Andre Drummond? Yeah. No. You bring in Zach Levine, and all of a sudden you have Zach Levine, Kate Cunningham, Asar Thompson. That's something more than what they have right now. It's not something special by any means. I don't even know if that gets you to the playoffs, especially when you're 2-11 and 11 right now or whatever. No, it doesn't get you the hell they are. Playoffs. But it gets you one step closer because now I feel like you're legitimately one piece away, <laughs> OG Ananobi, from actually being a legit piece, from actually having mm-hmm. a legit five-man rotation. Yeah, Just I, get one step closer. I don't even care about the picks at this point. Yeah, two major worries for most Pistons fans, I think, in that scenario, and then we'll, we'll get to some uh, other things here. One, Levine would be joining a team that's young and growing. Griffin was joining a finished product of, mo- of most parts. And exactly. So, like, it, we gave up one first-round pick that, unfortunately, ultimately became SGA, basically, in that deal uh, with the Clippers. So that, uh, We wouldn't have drafted the right guy anyway. Correct. So. It just sucks to know that that was the pick that they used. Uh, and then, ultimately, one first-round pick for Zach Levine right now and a team five years from now that you hope would be growing into something. Like, if you haven't grown into something with Cade, Levine, Asar, Duran, Ivy by then – then relocate then yeah who cares about your first round pick in 28 a move needs to be made because Kate is getting worse and he's getting a little frustrated we've seen him sulking on the bench we saw him in the media the other day make a comment that we're bad 
right? Like a I direct no, quote. I see no cap. We're a bad team. We can't keep saying that we're good and just trying to improve. We're a bad team. He is calling out Weaver for forming a bad roster around him. It's the type of comment that if Zion Williamson had made it in his second or third year, everyone nationally would have been like, New Orleans is losing Zion. Or it's the type of comment that if Luka made it in his first couple of years, everyone nationally and us in Detroit would be like, man, Dallas is really going to ruin Luka. It's the comments that some around San Antonio are having right now with Wemby because they won't start him with a real point guard, right? We, we are just kind of insulated by this idea that, well, it's not really Cade doing anything. No, when the national media sees that, it's a number one pick calling out his GM. Point blank. Yeah, but no one cares in the national media because the Pistons have been dog no one crap cares for in Detroit. 15 years. I mean, no one cares in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, because the Pistons have been dog crap for 15 years. We've got a dial tone from the texters for the last 15 minutes. No one cares. And they shouldn't. They're 2-13. and 13. Exactly. Yeah. You, you've you been above 500 once in the last 15 seasons. Yeah. I, that That essentially sums up everything you need to know about the Pistons. 14 straight playoff losses. All right, let's do something fun, Brad. Thanksgiving food draft. Next. You're listening to The Payoff on 100.9 The Mitt, fueled by Forward Energy. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to The Payoff. All right, so here's how this is going to work. We're going to do a Thanksgiving food draft going one-on-one. Yes, sir. Brad versus Ben. We're both going to start with turkey. Every both dinners already have turkey. That's a given. And then we're going to draft three sides and a dessert. And then they don't have to be sides necessarily. They could be other proteins. Sure, that's on you. And then we'll post it on Facebook. We'll see who wins. And it's going to be me. And if if you don't want to go dessert with the final pick, you want to go fourth side. That's fine with me too. Okay, it's just four pieces on top of the turkey. So we'll start with turkey. Do you want the first? Do you want the first pick, or do you want picks two and three? We'll do a little snake. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Okay. Um, do you want do you want one or two and three? I'll I'll take the first pick. This okay. is this is a hot take. Now you can, you can't miss on this pick. Then if you're gonna if you're gonna oh, no. stamp Trust yourself me, with the number good. one. Trust me, I'm good. Okay. Rolls. Okay. I'm taking rolls, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This uh, draft has been thrown by Ben Bosher. Nope. Nine eight nine nope. eight three seven six one two five. It's, I'll let you have butter with that. By the way, you get bro- uh, yeah, rolls and you. butter. Yep. That's that that's assumed. But you know the nice Hawaiian rolls. You got. Some homemade ones. I get it. Combination of both. No, I get yeah, it. I get, all, I get all the rolls. I get it. So you're, I get the best idiot. part of Thanksgiving. Yeah, no. For me, yes. I eat like a child, though. You clearly do as well. So I get picks two and three, and now I win the draft. Sure. Go ahead. I'm taking stuffing. Gross. Got to play to the What's people your next here, card? I'm taking stuffing. I now next? have turkey and stuffing. Plate? I now have turkey and stuffing. My next plate, man. See, like, I can go off board now. My, my board looked a little different. You don't until have you, a board. I've got a board here. Always got to have a board. You can't come into a segment unprepped, Ben. Come on. So what's your pick? Make your pick. Well, you went so you went so deep down my board with rolls and butter that like, I've got to re, reevaluate. I might go different strategy here. Um, Goodness. Man, so that's, that's my first pick. I get, so I have, how many more picks? Three more and one possibly dessert. Uh, so I got two more picks here. I thought you were prepared. I am, but you threw me with such a bad pick to start. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Let's, uh, man. You are in district 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Give me, give me. Uh Uh-oh. Give me the mashed potatoes. Dang it. Ah, that's what I was going to pick. 
Man. Mashed potatoes. I can't believe you stole that one from me. You put the pressure on me. So you're taking okay stuffing. So now is, you get the next two. Stuffing is gross though. Just so we're you get the next on the two. same page. Um. Well, now I'm thrown off. Those were kind of you've got turkey rolls and butter. Yeah, I've got turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes. What do you got next? Uh, do I have? Can I pick the dessert now? Oh yeah, to get out in front of me. That's fine. But you get two picks here back to back. Uh, I don't know if I want to pick a dessert yet. I'm not a big. I think I'm not a big dessert guy. I think there's basically two. There's maybe a top tier dessert for Thanksgiving. I'm not sure though. I swear, if you say pumpkin pie, I think there's pumpkin three. Pumpkin pie is the most overrated. I think there's dessert. three in the top tier. Pumpkin pie is the most overrated dessert there possibly. You got to take your personal preference it's, it's out of this. It's just man. not we're, that we're, good. You know, we're working with like six thousand fans on Facebook. They might hate your meal. They might well, not show up to your Thanksgiving dinner. That's fine. Be I, I don't know if they're actually invited. Can I? Can I pick another? Like uh, entree, like not necessarily turkey. Like I have turkey. You want to go ham? I also have. Can I do chicken? What kind? What are you talking about here? Fried chicken, like little wing dings. Yeah, fried chicken wings. Or, right. or better yet, like not the fried ones, um, but like the skins, chicken. You know what I'm talking about? The wings, the drums, the drumsticks, chicken drumsticks. Yeah, chicken wings. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll take that. All right, that's fair. Oh, I have another one. I mean, um, that, that's fair to a certain extent. Like, I'm not going to take lobster with the next pick, right? But chicken wings, I guess, is in play. It's a football holiday. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Um, uh, I kind of want to jump out on the de- on the dessert. Okay. I mean, you're going sideless right now, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, can I take a different form of potato? Of course. Can I take a twice-baked potato? Sure. Baked, All right. you're, you're going baked potato. Twice baked potato. You want to be specific with the twice baked or just say baked? I'll, I'll go baked potato. Okay, baked potato. That's a, that's a strong play. Not as good as mash, but... Nah, yeah. So well, I, I don't know. The be, the, I'd say the best baked potato is better than the best mashed potatoes, but an average mashed potato is sure. better than... Right, like a good like garlic mashed potato? Right, different. Right. Here we go. I've got turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes. I got two picks left. One can be a dessert. Hmm. Like I, I think you've I think you've really screwed it here. I, I got rolls, man. I won. I'm taking mac and cheese. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's a really like good that, pick. That's a steal kind of where I'm picking here, that. right? Yeah. Mac and cheese. That's why you gotta have a board, Ben. I'm taking mac and cheese, and for my final pick, do I go dessert? Gotta play to the people. That's oh, what you've been man. telling me. Man, if you pick pumpkin see, pie, you lose. See, my concern here is if I go condiment, which is kind what? of in play for me. Are you going to pick, like, what, what the cranberry sauce or whatever? There's two condiments on my board here, right? Like, two sauces on my board. Um, what? Turkey, stuffing, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes. Oh, man. Because it's not assumed that I get gravy with the plate that I have right now. But I think the gravy I, place... I, I think it is. Turkey and gravy... You mashed potatoes... I, yeah, like, both of us just get gravy. Get gravy. Okay. Makes my decision easy. Does it? <laughs> I'm going apple pie. That's a good choice. It's a, it's That's be, a personal better than preference. pumpkin pie. Yep. Apple pie. You now have one pick left. And you can do the pumpkin. You can do the pecan. You can do... There's a couple other items on my board right now that I like. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go with good old-fashioned brownies. Honestly. Wow. I, I don't need the, the fancy Thanksgiving. Right, ben, Thanksgiving desserts just kind of overrated. Ben, ben is supplying the kids' table this year. <laughs> You picked, you picked mac and cheese. The younger cousins at the Thanksgiving dinner are eating well at Ben. You picked mac and cheese, man. Elite play, if done right. I, I don't, okay, I have 
turkey or chicken. A lot of people don't like turkey. No, you have turkey and chicken. Yeah, turkey. Yeah, either or. Yep. Or both. Plus gravy, a lot twice of people, baked potato and brownies. We've got 15 seconds. A lot of people don't like uh, turkey. I've got turkey and gravy, stuffing, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes. We'll let the people decide. And I got apple pie. Wow, I'm, I'm absolutely stacked. We'll throw it on the Facebook. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was the payoff, and I hope it was worth it.